students tend to have a 10 to 15 minute attention span. And so what I found was if I stopped to tell a story or tell a joke, that it brought them back to me. And then they enjoyed the, the lecture more than if you just go da 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 Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 10 of Improv is No Joke podcast. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, and thank you very much for tuning in today. Today's guest is Dr. Kevin Tipton, who is a professor in sport, health, and exercise sciences at the University of Stirling in Scotland. Kevin is one of my longtime friends going back to Meadowthorpe Elementary in Lexington, Kentucky, through our college days at the University of Kentucky. This is our first conversation in over 30 years, but we've been able to keep up with each other through Facebook. I sent Kevin a copy of my book, and he had some nice things to say about it in a posting on Facebook. Kevin said, this is from my longtime, notice I avoid saying old, mate, Peter Margaritas, in his great book. I've always used the same philosophy in my teaching and presenting. In order to educate, you have to entertain if you want retention and you want outcomes. Nobody remembers the talking heads just spew out stuff in monotone. We remember what makes us laugh and when people tell us stories. We remember the pictures in our head, but we don't remember somebody just spewing out a bunch of words. Before we get to the interview with Kevin, I'd like to share with you a review that I received on iTunes from CPE attendee. This person wrote, I never take time to write these, but I had the pleasure of attending one of Pete's seminars. I went into the seminar with a closed mind because it was CPE training. He was able to connect with each individual in our group. His personality, along with his mission, translate perfectly into these podcasts. My office has since used many of the techniques he spoke of in both our professional and personal lives, and it lands true. That is, the fact that everything he talks about can have a direct link to build better relationships. The SN Challenge works better than I could have ever thought, and because of this, I feel I've been able to excel in my profession. Thank you, CPE attendee, for the wonderful review. And if you happen to be listening to this podcast, please mail me at peter at petermargaritas.com, and I'd like to interview you for a future podcast episode. If you've been listening to this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you would take a moment and write a review. It will help the podcast get greater visibility in the iTunes community. Also, if you have not signed up for the YesN Challenge, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the Yes and Challenge call to action. Click to register to begin building the effective habit of Yes and and the principles of improvisation. And remember, you can share your experience on Twitter using hashtag Yes and Challenge or on the Accidental Accountant's Facebook page. If you're unsure what the Yes and Challenge is all about, please go back and listen to episode zero. This is where I discuss the Yes and Challenge in more detail. This week, I'd like to share with you an article from Fast Company titled, Why Top Companies and MBA Programs Are Teaching Improv by Vivian Gang. Vivian writes, the underlying axiom is that curveballs don't just happen on stage at improv classes. They also happen in the ever-changing business world. When you're on stage, unsure of what will happen, 
and are forced to go along with whatever suggestion your fellow actors offer with a yes and response. That means you're always accepting and building upon whatever others are doing or saying as part of their own storyline. This kind of cooperation is said to inspire adaptability, which becomes particularly useful skill to have in the current global business landscape. Well put, Vivian. I'll put a link to this article in the show notes. One last item. In episode 9, John Barlow mentioned that he has a yes and bracelet, and I've posted a picture of it in the episode 9 show notes if you'd like to see it. Well, all the housekeeping items are completed, so let's get to the interview with Kevin Tipton. I'm real excited today because an old high school friend of mine, Kevin Tipton, has agreed to uh, be part of my podcast. And Kevin does not live in the United States. He is a professor at the University of Stirling in Scotland. So first and foremost, Kevin, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I greatly appreciate you spending some time with me today on my podcast. And you know, it's been 30 years since we've talked or seen each other, but man, it's 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 great to reconnect. I thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure, Pete. It's awesome. And and let me just say that uh, I think we go back farther than high school. We, I reckon, I reckon, sort of eight nine years old. You know, at Metathorpe Elementary. So it's been dang near 50 years that we've known each other. If if we can admit that, um, I I believe you're right. There is and. and just if you remember, I, I I posted this one picture of us at graduation. Right. Uh, that, yeah, it's still one of my favorite pictures from from high school. It is a great. That, I agree. That's a fantastic photo. Uh, Kevin had this uh, uniqueness about him back back in uh, back in the day. He had a full set of hair. Uh, actually, he had this long hair. And as I'm looking at him on Skype, um, I would say it's kind of uh, left. All right. Well, left is kind. Uh, so, so you know, back in the day, I used to be known for my long hair, and now I'm known for my non-hair. <laughs> oh man, it's it's it's. I tell you, it's great talking with you. And the reason why I I, I asked Kevin, I was really happy that he would be part of this, is that when he saw that my book was out. One, he was surprised that I could write a book, which most of my friends felt the same way, and. Too, that it didn't have any crayons in it, so it really um, perked his interest. He, he asked if if I had it in an audiobook form, and I at the time I didn't, so I sent him a copy of my book. And being a professor, and I'll have him tell him tell you more about uh, what he does. Uh, he probably read it within an hour or two, but he had some really nice things to say about it. And so I invited him to be part of this podcast so he can share with you some of the things that he's been able to glean from my book uh, and put in his day-to-day life. So, Kevin, tell everybody, give everybody a little bit of of your background. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So after, uh, you know, we were not only high school, but together at the University of Kentucky, and I I studied uh, zoology there, but then went on to do a master's degree and a PhD. And the interesting thing, I think, is that I did a master's was in marine biology down in, in Florida. And while I was working as a marine biologist, despite the fact that with all that hair and I worked on a boat <laughs> and I did scuba diving, you know, I, I knew something was missing. And so I started realizing that I wanted to be, I wanted to understand the human physiology of in response to exercise and training. And so I, I decided to get a PhD in, in 
human uh, nutrition and physiology and exercise physiology. And then, uh, you know, I got lucky with a really good postdoc position in uh, Galveston, Texas, with one of the leading researchers in the world in protein nutrition and protein metabolism. And so I was involved in some of the seminal studies in studying human uh, muscle protein metabolism in response to exercise and nutrition. And so, you know, as we were talking earlier, uh, it's better to be lucky than good. And I think that my career is a perfect example of that. And that I was lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time and got into this laboratory that has given me the platform to be able to to go on and be be you know what I would consider successful and and at least I'm happy with what I've done and 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 what's happened. So I, that's that's my focus. Of my research is mostly on muscle metabolism with exercise and nutrition, and in particular, protein uh, nutrition is what what I'm probably most known for. But I also we also do studies in in related to diabetes and to to uh, other health related aspects, and so. My title is officially in, in the UK. They 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 love to give these fancy titles, and so my title is a professor of sport, health, and exercise sciences. Well, and, and for my audience, you were always very you you were an athlete uh, growing up, from what I remember. What I remember, and I do remember that you played soccer at the University of Kentucky, play at, at Lafayette as well. If I if I'm Right. My memory, correct. Uh, but I always remember you being in always great shape uh, and able to play soccer. And I believe you did a stint in rugby as well. I I played. I ended up playing rugby for twenty five years. So, uh, and you know, with all the beatings that that took, I, you know, I think you're generous to call me an athlete. I was someone who did sports, but uh, you know, I always had to work harder than everybody else. And that that actually is this is the origin of my desire to study the physiology of and the nutrition because I wanted I was trying to find out for myself how I could train better and eat better to try to compete with people who were better athletes than I was. As you say that, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great if that mentality was even adopted in the business world? Yeah. I mean, so as an athlete, we'll spend that time to understand nutrition take better care of themselves, that same philosophy uh, really should hold true with, with business, with corporate America, because, you know, spending as many years as I did in corporate America, we don't eat well. We're, 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 we don't take care of ourselves very well. And this thought just popped into my head as, as I was listening to you. Um, your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I couldn't agree more that, you know, the, the better you eat and, and if you stay fit, you're going to have more energy. You're going you're gonna to feel better about yourself. You're going to be able to do your job better. So if, if it were me, if I were a, a CEO, I would make all my employees or not make them, but I would you know, provide the opportunity for them to, to exercise and be physically active and, and, and give them time even. I would even say, okay, look, here's, you've got an hour a day that you're getting paid that I want you to go be physically active, whether that's lifting weights or walking or running or, or on a bike, whatever you want to do, I think that would increase productivity. And I think there's some models that have tried that and it, and it works. And also then I would make sure that there was proper nutrition available, but also education available to, to say, here's what we, we, we would provide for you. And I think that that would increase 
productivity in any corporation if if they would be farsighted enough to try that. It would cost money, of course, but but I think it I think it would come back. Yeah, I I, I think that. There are some companies that have done that, that. Some of the newer companies, some of the you know, the, the disruptive type of companies, uh, uh, the the ones that have you know like Amazon, Google, Airbnb, those uh, type of uh, have really taken a real focus on wellness. Wellness, I, I, the successful ones, right? Go figure. <laughs> the successful new ones uh, uh, versus maybe some of the older blue bloods that have been around for for many many years. But I think it's I think it's something that you know we we tend to forget whether we're teaching, whether we're you know flying around the country consulting, whether we're going to work in a skyscraper. I, I think uh, fast food and fast food and just getting, kind of getting lazy that by just making some changes and, and the way we the way we exercise does have an effect on productivity. Does have an effect on our overall health, and I just know how I've been able to deal with it. Um, and I, it goes back to my book: uh, two words, yes, and managing my my health and stuff. It's like I could I could not do it; I could just forget about it. But there's so much more out there that me adopting this approach. Uh, organically over over the last 25 years, I've just found myself more driven, more to do. Nothing's an obstacle anymore. Everything, every, every challenge becomes an opportunity versus something that's bad. Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, speaking of travel, as, as we were saying, you know, you travel a lot and I travel a fair bit. And yeah, it gets in the way of your exercise routine, but that's only, that's only limited if you, if you let it. For example, you know, most airports, not all, but most airports, you don't have to take the escalator. You can actually walk up the stairs. And, you know, the interesting thing is when I walk up the stairs next to all the people on the escalator, I actually go faster. So if you're talking about I'm in a hurry, well, the stairs are actually better anyway. And so, you know, there are all sorts of th- you don't have to get on those moving sidewalks or if you do, you can walk on them. So there are all sorts of ways. And and. I haven't seen them in Europe so much, but I, I understand in the USA they're start, airports are starting to actually put gyms in there. So if you have a long enough layover, you can go. Now, that being said, uh, there's a lot of evidence now that you can do a very effective workout in, say, 10 to 15 minutes if you if you do it properly. And, and you know, I can bore you with the details, but but so you don't need to have a huge layover. You can just go to the gym and do a, a quick what people call hit high intensity interval training session and be very effective. And so there there are ways to do it if if you really want to and and you say yes, yes I'm traveling and I'm going to do these workouts because I can. When you talk about airports, uh Atlanta, I fly I fly Delta. I fly through Atlanta a lot and if I've got if and usually I have a decent layover like an hour or so, uh if I can land in terminal F and take off an A, I've got my workout because I'll walk it. And the, I walk through it. I don't take the moving sidewalk unless I'm running late. But the trouble with Atlanta is a lot of those a lot of those terminals don't have they've only got escalators. They don't have stairs coming up from from there. Yeah, they don't have the escalators. I mean they don't have the stairs, but they do I, I don't take the tram. I, I'll just walk from one day and you know I, it's at times, it can be a 30, 35-minute walk. 
Well, there you go. See, that's something. And then you could at least, it, even on the escalator, you can walk up the escalator instead of standing there. And so anything you do, physically active, is going to be better than not doing it. So even when you're traveling, again, like you say in your book, it's yes and. Yes, I'm traveling. It's going to be a pain in the butt. But I, or yes, I, and I can take these stairs. Yeah. Uh, have you been able to apply that concept in your teaching? Well, it, you know, it's funny because I don't want to take away from what you're saying, but I found when I was reading your book that I, I do some of these things, but I didn't really know I was doing it. Perfect. And yes, in the teaching, in the teaching, no question. I, and I, and I think I mentioned to you that I blame all those sessions that we used to do sitting around listening to Cheech and Chong records. <laughs> So maybe that's how both of us came around to to this kind of thing where I used to get in trouble because the the when I was teaching early on and I would I would tell jokes and I would I would stop a, a you know a lecture to to tell a story about you know whatever and and so the in in this case it, it was the older women who were teaching in nutrition they say you shouldn't be doing that. You should, you know, be serious in front of your students and all this stuff. But the students loved it. And subsequently, I've actually learned some some sort of psychological, physiological, even reasons why that works. But it was it was I found myself reading your book and going, "Hey, this is fantastic." You know, this is the kind of thing that I kind of stumbled across, and and now Pete is explaining why it was working. You know, and I didn't I didn't I didn't really know that. I just thought I was going to do what I do because I don't care what the old ladies say. <laughs> but it, what, what happens is students tend to have a 10 to 15 minute attention span. And so what I found was if I stopped to tell a story or tell a joke, that it brought them back to me. And then they enjoyed the, the lecture more than if you just go da 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 da. And so it was exactly, you know, the types of things you're saying is is bring in things that 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 you know to to mix it up, and that it doesn't have to be always so focused on whatever a topic of whether it's business or accounting or or, or or nutrition. And so, yeah, it was. I've I've I really enjoyed reading your book because I did that, and I've already passed it along to some of my colleagues. So, so thank you. Sorry for not giving you more sales by making them buy it, but uh, <laughs> but they're you know I'm I'm hoping that they'll get something out of it as well. Uh, that's great. I I, I greatly appreciate it. Pass it along. If you need some more copies, I'd be happy to send you some more copies out there. Um, the the one thing I when I when people read my book and, and I talking to audiences and stuff, you know we 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 hear the word improv and we think Drew Carey everything's made up. The points really don't count and it's not serious. But once I'm able to get past that and really show everybody that they improvise every single day, and by improvising every single day, we're, we're, we're unconsciously doing it. But if we can consciously think about what we're doing it, uh, I, I think we can have a greater impact on the students, on whoever we're, we're uh, coming in contact with. Yeah, I and, and, you know, that's what reading your book has done for me, for sure, in, especially in my role now as I'm I'm the leader of the health and exercise sciences research group here. And so once I took that on about, well, almost six years ago now, the job that I do, the, the, the things that I have to do has changed quite a bit. I spend a lot of time with junior colleagues trying to help them and guide them. And so, 
so much of it is trying to have that yes and attitude that you describe. And now, now that you've that I've read your book, I, I I think I think I'm better at it because now I'm instead of just stumbling across it every now and then, I'm consciously thinking about how am I going to deal with this in the way that Pete has has described for me so well in that book. So so no, it, it I don't. I didn't mean to imply earlier that yes, I, I thought of this too, and you're just lucky you wrote the book first. <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I was I was try, I was just s- saying that I identified with it a lot, but it's also reading, as you say, reading the book has has allowed me to recognize what I was doing, and then doing it more consistently and reinforcing it better. So I think that was the the, the huge thing that it's helped me with. Uh, yeah, I, I I appreciate the kind words. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's you know always nice to get kind words, but sometimes when you get them from old friends, it even means that much more. Well, that check from your sister helped a lot. You know, so. <laughs> I guess the other question I know you you have um, uh, a dog. What kind of dog do you have? He's a border terrier. He's border, and how old is he? He's a uh, nine and a half. Nine and a half. And have you found that the yes and approach works with him as well? I hadn't really thought about that. Um, yeah, I suppose so. He's uh, he's just a little. He's a buddy. He's a partner. You know, he's not really a subordinate or a, or anything. He's he's my little mate, and we go hiking together every day. You know, so he's he's kind of bored right now, though. <laughs> I, but I, when I think when I think of of, of dogs, and I'm, I, this is just this is I'm I'm really improving right here. When I think of dogs, I think it's the ultimate yes and because hey, I want to go do something. What are we doing? And let's do this now, or let's go do this, or it's time for a walk, or come on, let's let this. Let's absolutely. He yeah, he's always ready for whatever it is. And what I think is funny is like for example, uh, you know, I'll, I'll grab my car keys, and all of a sudden he just starts getting all excited, you know, and I'm okay. We're gonna go to the vet. I'm gonna have your have your balls cut off, or I'm gonna have I'm gonna have you put down. Let's go. He goes, okay, let's go. I don't know where we're going, but we're going in the car, so it must be good. You know. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's great. Whatever. Whatever. Exactly. Well, that's yeah. That's very much. They're very much a dog's attitude. And, and but, uh, I've. You do that every time that you get in the car with your dog. Tell them that you're gonna go have neutered. Just <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is it? It is funny because when we do get somewhere like the vet, where he doesn't really want. Well, he likes the front office of the vet. He doesn't like the back part. In the front office, they give him a little treat, so he's happy. But yeah. in the back part, of course, they they poke him and prod him and give him shots, so he's he's never happy. But you know, getting in the car, going to the vet is a good thing because probably. 75, 80% of his car trips mean we're going walking or, or something. But yeah, he's, uh, he, 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 I agree that now that you, the way that you've described it, I can see how that is a yes. And, (laughs) uh, he's a yes. And creature for sure. I I know my two dogs are, I have, I have, uh, uh, chocolate lab and and a, a black lab and, and they are very much yes. And, um, Yes, and it's time to eat. Yes, and it's time to walk. Yes, and where you been all day? Yeah, always, always very happy. Uh, Kevin, any last words before we wrap this up? No, I just, uh, I not nothing substantial. I mean, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast, and uh, uh, you know, enjoyed reading the book. And like I said, 
despite my biases and and the bottle of bourbon that I hope to get in the mail uh, for for saying bad good things about it, I mean, um, uh, uh, you only want one. That's perfect, and that's easy. I <laughs> thought you could hit me up for more. <laughs> uh, the, uh, no, it's it really was. I, I enjoyed it, and I got to admit, I was I was proud of you because Thank you know, you. like I said, we've known each other a long time, and it's great to see your old friends doing well and also doing well in, in a, in an unexpected way, you know, like you say, who would have expected you to write a book? You know, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I, it's fantastic. And I was happy to see it and, and even happier to, to read it and go, Hey, this isn't just a bunch of crap. <laughs> this is good stuff. Okay. Now you have the two bottles. Keep going, my friend, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to believe that some part of my audience is going to listen to this and listen to, especially the conversation we're having on nutrition, and maybe want to reach out to you. So can you give us uh, how somebody could reach you, your email address or something, website? Sure. The, probably the easiest way to get hold of me is either A, you know, I'm, I'm active on Twitter. So if you want to follow nutrition and exercise kind of stuff on Twitter, it's at stirprof-tip. So S-T-I-R. P-R-O-F-T-I-P on Twitter. Okay. And also, it, you can get my email and, and all my publications and everything else from the university website. So just if you Google Kevin Tipton Sterling or University of Sterling, you should come right to, to my website and, and should be no problem finding finding me if you want to see what kind of research we're doing. And, and, and you know, it's got my email address and everything else on there. Outstanding. So uh, if you want to know more about nutrition, um, he's the man. You know, I, I do remember growing up and when I found out that you were a doctoral student and a PhD, I went, you know, I kind of always thought that. I always, because I, I believe you did. If I, I'll, that's right. Your dad taught at the University of Kentucky. That's right. So anyway, so it, um, it didn't shock me at all that this would be your profession because my friend, you were always one of the brightest in the room. You've, uh, I, I look back on, the, on our times growing up, and I do miss those times. I do miss the Richard Pryor, Cheech Chong, and listen to this stuff. But um, you always had this this thing about you that uh, I knew you were going to be extremely successful. And uh, thank you for proving me right. So now I'm up to, we're even now in the bottles, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's funny you should say about my dad because i, I got to mention that. In that, you know, I, I won some teaching awards this year, and and I'm very very proud of that. Of course, it's a, it was an honor and a thrill to get those awards, but I I dedicate them and blame my father for it because of the way I saw him teaching from you know when I was well you know when we first moved to Lexington and he was at the University of Kentucky and and I've modeled myself as a teacher on on the way that I saw him treating his both undergraduate and and graduate students. And I can't say enough good things about Leonard uh, as far as a, a mentor and a, and a teacher. And so I, I don't think I would ever feel comfortable not working at a university. It just has always been part of my my life. And so I've been lucky enough to to be able to do what I think is, is a rewarding uh, job, a, a challenging, of course, but rewarding. And, and it's it's due to my father uh, as to to 
you know, how, how I was able to, to make that happen. Yeah. I, um, and just listening to your, your voice and your tone and, and, and tying it back to everything that you said, um, very, you're very lucky that you were able to find your passion early on and be able to, uh, leverage that passion into what, what you are today. Congratulations on the teaching awards. Uh, I, I, I've seen a picture of your mom and dad, and they look great. Um, I know that you will send this to them. Uh, and uh, are they still are they still in Lexington? No, they're in Gainesville, Florida. Oh, I'll have to stop by next time I drive down to Fort Myers and definitely they love that. Say hello. Um, well, once again, thank you very much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you doing this and being on here and and having. Um, some really nice things to say about my book. And I look forward to our next conversation because I would like to follow up, you know, uh, in about a year uh, with this podcast to see the difference a year's make. But on the other hand, I want to follow up a lot sooner and stay a little bit closer in touch with you uh, on a, on a unofficial friendship basis versus a podcast basis. Well, why don't we do both? Why don't we do the next interview on top of the mountain out behind my house here? So, you, you come visit Scott, and we'll take that bottle of bourbon up to the top of the mountain and have a good podcast up there. Uh, that is a definite. So if we put a, if we put a date out there, let's see if we can make that date. Perfect. All right, my friend. Thank you so very much, and great talking with you. My pleasure. It's a lot of fun reconnecting with friends from the past. Just having this conversation took me back to some stories that can't be told on this podcast, but still gives me a huge smile. I know we reminisced a bit during our conversation, but Kevin did address some very important points about nutrition, exercise, and productivity. We all know that the better we eat and the more active we are, our productivity increases. Why is it so hard to do it then? Is it because we think we have to do an hour in the gym? Kevin gave us some simple tips on exercise that we can institute immediately. For example, don't take the elevator, take the stairs. He also mentioned about using the yes and attitude and how that will help you achieve your nutrition and exercise goals. I believe that being productive at work is the ability to be focused and utilize active listening to get tasks accomplished in a timely manner and being able to adapt to the changing landscape. Now let's talk about nutrition in the CPA profession. If we want our staff to be at the productive best, then we have to quit feeding them pizzas, ice cream, sundaes, and other fast food and provide them with a healthier alternative. It's hard to stay focused and utilize active listening after consuming 800 calories and close to 100 carbohydrates. Moving to a healthier food choices may cost more, but the investment in supporting our staff will lead to higher productivity. I know you heard how Kevin has been able to utilize the principles of improvisation in his professional and personal life. I love the part when he said that after he read my book, it dawned on him that he was unconsciously improvising every day, and now that he is consciously aware of the principles of improv, he's been able to strengthen his improvisation skills. I continue to say that it's easy to talk about the principles of improvisation, but it is hard to consistently implement them. That's the number one reason for me starting the Yes And Challenge, to help you to begin to create a long-term habit. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes and write a review on my podcast. My writing review helps promote the podcast to a larger audience. 
And remember to sign up for the SN Challenge on my website at petermargaritas.com. Thank you again for taking time to listen to this podcast. In episode 11, I interview Jennifer Elder, the sustainable CFO. Until next time, use Yes and to make better nutrition and exercise choices. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.